We are going to continue in our series called Ghosts of Christmas Past. Um, I hope you can see behind me, there is a Christmas tree. It was there last week, but now it's all decorated and lit up, and it has the giving ornaments from our living Christmas tree that we're celebrating this year, uh, choosing an ornament to be able to buy perhaps a Target or a uh, Walmart card or a grocery store card to help a family who is in need. You'll hear about that later on uh, in the service today. Let's jump right into our message, okay? Christmas season, it is supposed to be, as I introduced last week with that wonderful song by Andy Williams, Christmas is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. But for many people, the joys of the Christmas season, they can be overshadowed by a painful past or sometimes the regret of our own mistakes or our own insecurities. Many of us find ourselves clinging to memories that are not so precious. The reality is, friends, that your past mistakes and hurts and insecurities the shame and the guilt of what you've done or what you've said and what you've had to live with, sometimes that can haunt you in the present. And so if you are going to be free, if you're going to be able to have joy for the future, then we need to face the ghosts of our Christmas past together. They don't have to haunt you any longer. We can be free of them. So this week, we're going to jump into part two of our message Last week, we talked about letting go of past offenses, of ways that other people have hurt us. This week, we're going to talk about ways that we have hurt other people. And there's usually at least two ways that we have made big mistakes when it comes to relationships with others in our lives. The first one is, is when we do something bad to somebody else that we should not have done. So the first mistake is we've done something bad to somebody else that we shouldn't have done. The second part of a past mistake is perhaps there was something good that we should have done, but we decided that we wouldn't do it. So we didn't do something good in our lives that we should have done. We had an opportunity to do good, but we neglected to take advantage of that opportunity. You know, as they say in the old adage, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Now, I'm sure that if you have a decent memory, you can think of some dark moments in your life that if you could roll back time, you would have said something different. You would have done something differently. And your life, perhaps, would be different today without the fallout from that past mistake. Those mistakes, they can be haunting reminders of our past failures. Friends, we're looking at a famous book and a movie. It comes from 1843, written by uh, the great English author Charles Dickens. It's called A Christmas Carol. My, famous, my favorite movie uh, version of A Christmas Carol is the one in 1984. It's done by George C. Scott. He plays that iconic character, Ebenezer Scrooge. You can see in there, uh, the great uh, story of A Christmas Carol is that it takes place in industrial England. Uh, England is in the midst of an industrial revolution and some people are growing rich and wealthy. But at the same time, there are other people in society who are being exploited and they don't have workers' rights and they're poor and they're making barely subsistent wages. And... Ebenezer Scrooge is a famous person who has grown rich 
but without any compassion, without any, any regard for the other human beings around him. He has no desire to help anybody else. In fact, you remember uh, two people from a charity came up to him on Christmas Eve asking for a donation. And he says, are there not workhouses? Are there not prisons for people like that who have needs? And so Ebenezer goes into the night of Christmas Eve and he's getting ready to go to sleep and go to bed. And of course, Ebenezer's visited by his old business partner, a man who had died seven Christmases before. His name is Jacob Marley. And Jacob Marley comes as a ghost and he's tormented and he's sad. And he gives a, a dire warning to Ebenezer Scrooge. Jacob Marley is carrying around these heavy chains and he says these heavy chains were actually what he forged for himself for all eternity for the lack of compassion, the lack of love that he had toward his fellow man. And he's giving Ebenezer a warning. He's saying, Ebenezer, tonight you're going to be visited by three ghosts, ghosts of a Christmas past, ghost of the Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come. You need to listen to those ghosts, Ebenezer. And of course, Ebenezer is hard-hearted. He's crusty. He's an old curmudgeon. He doesn't want to listen. He is skeptical. He thinks maybe he just, you know, ate something bad and had a hallucination or something. So Ebenezer goes to bed and he finds himself visited by the ghost of Christmas past. You know, Ebenezer is very interesting. Uh, he's He's one of those guys that originated the term bah humbug. So when you ever hear that, that came originally from Ebenezer Scrooge as somebody who's skeptical about celebrating the joy of the Christmas season. You see on the screen here, friends, there are two basic ghosts of Christmas past in our lives. The first one we talked about last week, the memory of our past offenses. And we talked about the need for receiving God's forgiveness in our lives and then extending God's forgiveness to other people who have hurt us. Like it says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. So that's what we talked about last week. This week, we're gonna talk about the memory of our past mistakes. And of course, in Ebenezer Scrooge's life, the very first ghost who comes to visit him as he's gone to bed that Christmas Eve is the ghost of the Christmas past. And of course, the ghost usually uh, reminds us of some mistakes that we've made in our life, in our past. And as I said, it, they come in two ways. We did something bad to somebody else that we shouldn't have done, or we didn't do something good to someone else that we should have done. We had an opportunity and we passed on the opportunity. Um, Ebenezer Scrooge certainly has that active in his life. So the ghost of Christmas past, she comes to Ebenezer and she says these words to him. I bring the light of truth for your welfare. You will see yourself, Ebenezer. She, she, so, she shows Ebenezer a number of things from his childhood including, and unfortunately for Ebenezer, he had a very harsh upbringing by a stern father. His father let him come home from school for, to celebrate Christmas. He had a loving relationship with his sister, but his father only allowed him home for three days before he sent him off to a counting house to apprentice under 
uh, the tutelage of a Mr. Fezziwig. Do you remember that character, Mr. Mr. Fezziwig? So next, the ghost takes him to the home of Mr. Fezziwig. It's on a Christmas Eve. Ebenezer is still a young man. He's working in his workplace. Ebenezer says on Christmas Eve in the afternoon, that's enough work for tonight, men. We need to clear the room because there's going to be a party tonight and we need to celebrate. Fezziwig says to Ebenezer, kind of a, a prescient uh, saying that, that ended up, obviously Ebenezer didn't listen to him for the rest of his life. Fezziwig says to him, Ebenezer, there's more to life than these dusty old ledgers. And so what ensues that night at Fezziwig's is there's an evening of joy and feasting and dancing and music that awakens a long denied aspect of Scrooge's personality. He realizes what fun used to be. He hasn't had fun for decades in his life. He realizes now, looking back at that Christmas memory, what he lacked. He lacked laughter and relationships and music. Decades later, Scrooge has now isolated himself. And so the ghost of Christmas past was awakening something that was long dormant in, in Scrooge's hardened heart. At Fezziwig's Christmas party there, there is a beautiful young lady. Her name is Belle. Fezziwig pushes Ebenezer to dance with this young lady, Belle. And Belle and Ebenezer have a relationship and perhaps they even love each other. Uh, Fezziwig, uh, first of all, the old man, Ebenezer, looking back, saying, dancing, dancing is a waste of time. I am a serious bent of mine. But then Belle tells this Ebenezer, even though he says dancing is a waste of time, Bell says to him, yes, Ebenezer, but it can be overcome. And so they dance together. And after this joyous dance, Fezziwig leans in and he says to young Ebenezer, to travel the rough roads of life with the right female to help you bear the burdens, isn't that a blessing, Ebenezer? The ghost said perhaps that looking over at Fezziwig to the old man, Ebenezer. So now the, the ghost and Ebenezer are watching this scene and the ghost says to Ebenezer, boy, that Fezziwig, he was a silly man. And Scrooge looked at her like, you're crazy. Ebene Scrooge remarked to him, to the ghost, Scrooge said, the happiness that Fezziwig gave to others was worth a thousand pounds. Do you see Ebenezer's hardened heart starting to melt? Do you see him starting to realize that some of the mistakes that he made from his past have had long-term consequences in his life. And his whole cold, crusty heart was starting to wake up. The bell believes that Ebenezer was intending to marry her. Apparently, they had some sort of engagement, some sort of contract. So she saves himself for him while he goes off after his apprenticeship to work very hard like crazy because his goal in life was to to obtain wealth and gold and riches. The, the ghost then fast forwards a few years and Ebenezer runs into Belle and he's still a single man and she's still a single lady and she had been saving her, herself for him but sh she realizes that Ebenezer had not softened his heart at all, that he'd gotten worse and it was another Christmas Eve and Belle tells him Bell tells him the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, but you need to hear that. Sometimes it's the most loving thing you can say is to say a harsh truth to somebody in the hopes that they would wake up 
and turn around from a bad direction they're going in life. And so Bell tells him, another idol has replaced me in your heart, Ebenezer. That is the idol of gold. You are a golden one now, Ebenezer. It's all about profit and money. It engrosses you. Our contract, Ebenezer, it was an old one. I'm still a dowerless girl. Ebenezer, I release you. You are a free man. And so Ebenezer lost the love of his life, Belle. And as she went away, Belle's last words to him were, may you be happy in the life you have chosen. And she walked away. Ebenezer remarked to the ghost of Christmas past. He said, I almost followed her. And the ghost replied, and boy, these are haunting words, when he said, I almost followed her at that moment. And the ghost replied, almost carries no weight in the matters of the heart. And then she fast forward some 20 years later, the ghost showed Ebenezer a picture of Belle with a brood of children around her and a happy husband who has just come home from work. And Ebenezer says to the ghost, that could have been me. Wow, what a haunting comment. Friends, if we look back on our lives and we reflect accurately, perspective is what gives us a sense of what really matters in life. You must be able to recall in the heat of the moment what is most important in life. And if you have that wisdom of God and if you have that perspective, it will keep you from saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. God's wisdom and his spirit will prompt you to do the right thing as well when you have the opportunity to do so. So what was the ghost of Christmas past trying to teach him? What did Ebenezer Scrooge need to learn from his past? Well, number one, his life was consumed by selfish greed and materialism. Number two, he never learned to have any balance in his life between work and relationships. Workaholism had overtaken him. Greed, desire for wealth had, had governed his mind and his heart it had become the idol of his life and in doing so number three and here's the fallout of that Ebenezer he missed out on love on marriage on family on friendship and laughter and joy think about Ebenezer's life and then think about your own life today where are you in your life today? You know, I, you often ask that question as you're reading the story. It says, well, what if, what if the ghost of Christmas past came to you on Christmas Eve? What if that ghost could take you back to a pivotal moment in your life when your life was forever altered and changed because of a decision that you made, because of some words that you said, because of a direction that you decided to go or not go? What scene would the ghost of Christmas past take your life to? Let's talk about the first kind of mistake. The first kind of mistake is doing something bad. Maybe there was an ethical line. Maybe in business or at home in your own family. Maybe there was a clear ethical line and you had the choice and you decided to cross that ethical line anyway. And now you're living the fallout of that ethical wrongdoing. 
Maybe you lost a relationship because of some harsh words you said, or because you should have said the right thing in the right moment. You should have stepped up. You should have stepped up and declared your true feelings and intentions. But perhaps out of fear of rejection or whatever, you chickened out and didn't say what you should have said. You know, it says in James 4, 17, to the person who knows the good that he ought to do and, that, and yet he doesn't do it, to that person, it is sin. And in doing so, that mistake that you made, whatever you did wrong, it jeopardized your future. It changed the course of your life. I have a friend. He's in our men's group on Tuesday nights. He's a dear friend. He's a wonderful Christian guy today. But I have a friend that if this opportunity happened and the ghost of Christmas past could take him back to a scene, I am sure that this friend would be taken back to a dark moment about 30 years ago. You see, this friend spent a good part of his adult life in prison, paying for something really bad that in, in a moment of anger and rage, he had done some crime to somebody else. Today, thank God, this man has found a living relationship with God. He has forgiveness and new life through Jesus Christ. And he found him while he was in prison. And he found forgiveness and he was saved. And now he's been paroled and now he's out of prison. And now our friend, he's enjoying a great new life of prison. He's blessed in multiple ways. And so I just want to say congratulations and God bless you, friend. I celebrate your freedom in Christ Jesus. That friend made a terrible decision in his life and he spent a good deal of his life paying the consequences for that bad moral choice. Friends, what about you? Maybe you would revisit a scene where there was an important relationship in the balance Maybe you should have kept control of your words, but you let them fly and you did some terrible damage to someone and you broke an important relationship. Maybe you lost your temper. Maybe you really hurt someone else in a moment of rage and you wish you could take it back. And now because of that, you have this leftover long-standing chronic guilt over that broken relationship. Sometimes that guilt this is, this is where guilt can turn into shame over time. And I want to tell you, friends, God intends you sometimes when you do what is bad, he wants you to feel guilty over it. But he wants that guilt to drive you to repentance. He doesn't want that guilt to drive you toward shame. Shame is a, is a dark consequence oftentimes in your life of guilt. Shame goes beyond guilt. Guilt says something like, you know, I did something bad and it was wrong. But shame turns it into something worse. Shame turns into something that instead of I did something bad, now you have this self-identity where you say, I am bad. I am damaged goods. I'm dirty. I'm unlovable. I'm weak. I'm pitiful. I'm insignificant. I don't matter. I'm worthless. Those are terrible statements to think about anybody, but especially terrible statements to think about yourself. That is where the enemy of our souls wants to take us. He wants to take that guilt and drive it into self-condemnation and turn it into shame and give you a shame-based mindset where your own identity, it just becomes marred and distorted 
just by something you did, you start to embrace the negative identity and you say, this is now who I am. It doesn't have to be who you are. You can take that guilt and you can go to God with it. David said in Psalm 32, he said, when I was, when I was in my shame, when I had, had uh, done something wrong, Psalm 32 is generally attributed to the time right after when David was confessing his sins to God because of the evil that he had done, committing adultery with Bathsheba and then killing her husband Uriah. And now David was repenting and he was coming back to God. And he said, when I was stuck there in my shame and my guilt, it was like my bones were heavy. They were grinding me all day long. It was terrible. And then he said, but then I confess my sins to the Lord and he forgave me the guilt of my sins. God wants you to go to him with your guilt, not running from him anymore. Mistake number two. Mistake number one was you did something wrong. Mistake number two can be equally as haunting, friends. Mistake number two is not doing the right thing. Perhaps not speaking up, staying silent when you should have said something. Maybe you should have defended somebody. Maybe you were like Adam there in the garden and the Satan, the tempter was coming to him and trying to get her to eat the forbidden fruit that God told them the day that you eat this forbidden fruit and you disobey me, you will surely die. And Adam was right there next to his wife and Satan is lying to her saying, you're not going to die. Your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be like God. Go ahead and eat the apple. And Adam should have stood up and defended his wife right there. He should have said, no, God said we shouldn't eat it. But instead of doing the right thing, Adam stood there passively and watched his wife bite into the forbidden fruit. And then she offered it to him and he joined her in the sin. And now they were both hiding from God in the garden because they realized they were naked and they were ashamed. God doesn't want you to stay in that place, right? I, I said this before, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It's not just doing something wrong. Sometimes it's not doing the right that you should have done. What, what is the fallout? There, there's always consequences to choices, good and bad, right? What are the fallout of your past mistakes? For Ebenezer Scrooge, he had a lifetime of loneliness and bitterness and that made him a cynical man and he had no friends he had very few people who who even cared about him he had one nephew from his sister remember that sister that was good friends with him when he was a young man well she died and she had that son and the son came to Ebenezer on Christmas Eve and says uncle Ebenezer I want you to invite you over to my house and he goes bah humbug I don't celebrate Christmas right Somebody still cared about him, but that was like one of the only human beings who cared about Ebenezer Scrooge in his life. Those ghosts, this ghost of Christmas past coming to Ebenezer, it was used as an instrument of God to challenge him and to make him think, to make him think differently. Because friends, sometimes we get stuck in a place, we get our hearts hardened, we become bitter and angry and lonely and cynical. And sometimes somebody has to really get in our face and challenge us to wake us up if we're really going to change. Because what doesn't challenge you, friends, will not change you. I hope this message today is getting past some of the layers of your heart, penetrating down and saying, 
Uh, maybe you've made some past mistakes in your life. Maybe you have some regrets. But this Christmas, you don't have to live with those. You can wipe your slate clean through a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Here's the beauty of Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol. Scrooge had a lifetime of mistakes, a lifetime of bad attitudes. And he was in a very bad place on the verge of dying and going into an eternity without Christ. And yet, this pattern of his mistakes, his greed, his lack of compassion, his mistreatment of those around him, that did not, did not have to be the lasting summary of Scrooge's life. Scrooge had the ability to turn it around. He had the ability to change and to repent. And that's the beauty of God in your life, friends. You have the ability to change. Look what happens. There was hope even for Ebenezer Scrooge with the ghost of things yet to come. There's a beautifully haunting scene near the end of this movie, A Christmas Carol. Scrooge is now uh, with the ghost of things yet to come. And the ghost is showing uh, a Scrooge a cemetery. There's a cemetery with a headstone and somebody's name on it. And Scrooge realizes that the person's name on the headstone is, is his own. And it says Ebenezer Scrooge. And he's realized that after he's died now, his body is in a cemetery. And he realized that nobody has spoken well of him. Nobody gave him any eulogy at all. Most people were talking about how mean old Ebenezer was and how he hoarded all his money and how he helped no one who was less fortunate than himself. In fact, most people were celebrating Ebenezer Scrooge's death. And so Scrooge is now panicked and he's remorseful and he cannot understand. It's like, ghost, why are you showing me all this? If there's nothing he could do to change his life, what is the point of even showing this? And then he says these words to the, to the ghost. He's pleading. He's desperate. He says, if a man's course can be changed, then the ends must change also. Yes? In other words, if I can make a major change in my life right now, do I have to suffer the same consequence that you're showing me, ghost of things yet to come? Why show me this, he's saying, if I'm past all hope? And, he's, and then he pleads and he says, say that I may change these things by an altered life. And he says, spare me, spare me. He says, I will live a better life. Good spirit, say that I can change. I will honor Christmas. I will keep it in my heart all year. I will not shut out the lessons that these spirits have taught me. The next scene is Scrooge wakes up and it's Christmas morning and the clock is churning. The clock is tinging nine o'clock a.m. And he realizes that he still has a chance, that he still has a new option in life. He can live a better life, a changed life than the life he had lived before. And he, and he turns in from a curmudgeonly cynical, bitter old man to a man who's full of joy and laughter and generosity. And it's a wonderful story. The same change that Scrooge was able to make in his life can happen for you as well, my friend. How, friend? How, how can we not let the shackles of our own past mistakes, our sins, 
are bad decisions. How can we not let those shackles haunt us and damage us for the rest of our lives, and especially during this Christmas season? How can we get past that? Well, number one, God wants us to go to him, not run away with him, not run away from him. Excuse me. You remember Adam and Eve when Adam stood there and didn't do the right thing when he should have, and now they were running and hiding from God. That's the worst thing we can do. God wants us to run toward him with our sin, not away from him. He wants us to confess our sins. In fact, some of us run away from God, and then we deny that we even have any sin at all. In 1 John, in his letter, he talks about that, and he says, if any of you thinks that he has no sin, he's a liar. He's deceiving himself. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Every single one of us needs to go to God. And after you become a follower of Christ, friends, we're to go to God every day with our adoration, our worship, yes, with our confession of sins. It says, confess your sins to God. Look at this amazing promise in John's letter. Chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He, God, we, we agree with God specifically that what we've done is sinful. And I remember one time a pastor, he said, somebody came to him and he says, Well, pastor, what do you think we should do when we confess our sins? So we, should we just confess our sins in general? Or should we really get nitty gritty? Should we confess our sins specifically? I mean, like specifically, what did you do that was wrong? Confess that specifically to God. Just a general confession or a specific confession. And the pastor kind of smiled and he says, well, I don't know, take your pick. Do you want God to forgive you generally or do you want him to forgive you specifically? <laughs> we need God to forgive us specifically. We need to confess our sins specifically to the living God. And the great promise is when we're willing to do that, it says God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we confess our sins to God. Number two, we're not going to let the past mistakes of our life shackle us today anymore. We're going to receive God's forgiveness. Last week I talked about if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Well, the reason you're a new creation is because of Romans 8. Because it's the promise of God is this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If, if you had to highlight two words in that verse, I would say, remember those two words. No condemnation. When you're in Christ, when you put your trust in Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come into your life and the law of the Holy Spirit gives life he has set you free from the law of sin and death. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, the wages of sin is death. But Jesus has died for your sins and you can have forgiveness and new life to him. So number one, confess your sins to God. Number two, receive God's forgiveness. And when you receive God's forgiveness, sometimes in your life, friends, one of the hardest people in your life to forgive is yourself. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to remember that you are a human being, that you are born into this fallen, broken world. 
And yes, you've made plenty of bad choices and mistakes. You're a sinner, but you're not lost because there is one who came. And that's what we celebrate this Christmas season. Born in a manger in that little town in Bethlehem. There is one who came to be your savior and his name is Jesus. And you can have that forgiveness through him. You've got to forgive yourself. The one, in, the one who trusts in Christ, friends, you don't have to walk around defeated. You don't have to be continually shackled by the mistakes of your past. You remember Jacob Marley, Scrooge's business partner? He had to drag around those heavy chains that he had forged for himself by his greedy, uncaring, selfish life. But friends, you don't have to carry around those chains anymore. You may still be carrying around a lot of shame. That shame goes beyond guilt. It's not the feeling that you did something bad. Now you're saying to yourself, you are bad. You're a bad person. Nobody wants anything to do with you. Nobody could love you. That's what shame says. And if you carry shame around long enough, friends, it will crush your soul. You've got to let go of shame and guilt because when you confess your sins, that guilt and shame gets washed away. As far as the east is from the west, God says, I've removed your sins from you. Those chains are broken through faith in Christ Jesus. Confess your sins to God, friends. He will forgive you. Look what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, there was a time in your life when you lived a sinful lifestyle. And he lists this whole uh, litany of sins. You can read that in verses 9 and 10. But you get to verse 11 and he says, that's what some of you were. He, he outlined all those specific ways people sin. That's what some of you were. But look, that's not who you are now. You carried around that shame and guilt before, but you don't have to do it now. Now you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You are a brand new person and God's truth has set you free, right? There's a big difference between you and Jacob Marley. It was too late for that ghost Jacob Marley. He had already died unrepentant and now he had to carry around the consequences of his sins for eternity. You don't have to do that. There's still a chance for you. Like Ebenezer, you're still alive. It's not too late. God's grace is still available for you. Point number three, how do you walk? How do you not let those mistakes of your past shackle you today? Number three is, is we have to learn, friends, how to walk each day in the joy of God's forgiveness and renewal. Walk each day in the joy of God's forgiveness and renewal. You don't have to forget whatever happened in the past, but you don't have to let your past shackle and govern and continually damaged your life. The apostle Paul lived a very sinful lifestyle before he became a follower of Jesus. Not sinful in the way of you and I think of sin, but sinful in the way that he attacked and persecuted followers of Jesus Christ before Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus and changed Saul's life forever. He even changed his name from Saul to Paul. Paul says this in 1 Timothy, talking about himself. He says, you want to know what my life was before Jesus? I was a blasphemer and a persecutor. I was a violent man. However, I was shown mercy 
because I acted in ignorance and unbelief, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Does that sound to you like a man who's still shackled from his past? No, Paul has found freedom. He found new life and freedom on the other side of God's forgiveness. And so he says this, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. You know, denial is a terrible thing. Denial keeps us from being honest with God. Denial is like, oh, I'm not a sinner. I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. You can always find somebody who lives a worse life than you do. But the point is, before a holy God, we all have sin that needs to be confessed and forgiven. Paul found that forgiveness. He says, I was one of the worst sinners around. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul spent the rest of his adult life telling others the good news about Jesus Christ all around the Mediterranean world. He was one of the greatest missionaries who ever lived, the greatest apostles who ever lived. Why? Because Paul was a sinner set free. The gospel, the good news of Jesus set him free and he didn't have to live with the consequences of his past. And friends, neither do you or I. Isaiah says it this way. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. You can forget the things of the past. You don't have to dwell on them. God is doing a new thing in your life. He wants to know that the, pa the past and the power of those past regrets, they don't have to hold power over you. You can let go of it because you've been renewed by God's love. Friend, I, I recognize, let's just be honest. There, there are some mistakes. There are some really bad things that you and I have done or said in our lives. And we are still living the consequences of the fallout for that. There are some mistakes that we've made that just won't go away. Perhaps it could be a divorce. It could be a crime. It could be a moral fail, failure that cost you your job and even perhaps your career. But here's the thing. You may have to live with some of the consequences of your past mistake, but you don't have to live with the guilt and the shame of your past mistakes anymore. Friends, go back to Ebenezer. When he realized he had a second chance, that he, he didn't have to suffer the same fate as his old tormented friend, Jacob Marley, he woke up that Christmas morning. He was giddy with joy. He said, I am as happy as a schoolboy." And why? Because he knew that God had given him a fresh new start. And you too, friends, you can have a fresh start in Christ. Remember what Jesus told that woman and caught in adultery. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now, from now on, go and leave your life of sins. And so the way forward, friends, it's that three-step process. You confess your sins to God. You receive his forgiveness. You say to yourself, that's how you get rid of that shame and that guilt that's lodged deep in your heart, that's making you feel awful most days of your life. You can get rid of it, and you remind yourself, this is what God thinks of you. God says, there is no condemnation for those like me. Why? Because I'm in Christ Jesus. And if I'm in Christ, 
There's no more condemnation. I don't have to live with that shame and guilt. I can break those shackles and I can be set free and so can you. And then from this day forward, friends, you can walk each day in the joy of the Lord. Friends, let me close with this. There's a picture in heaven in Revelation 7 and it shows a bunch of saints who are up there. And the, one of the 24 elders who's up there worshiping in heaven with the apostle John who has this amazing vision. The, one of the elders asks John, he says, who are those who are these who are clothed in white? Because there were a bunch of people there and they were all wearing these white robes. And uh, John says, I don't know, can you tell me? And, and the elder says, he gave the answer. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white. Friends, it makes no sense chemically. It makes no sense in the color scheme of my mind and imagination. But somehow through Jesus, his red blood shed for you can make your sins, though they be as scarlet. He says, I can make them white as snow. And in Christ Jesus, you can take off those old clothes of your past and you can put on the new white robes of forgiveness as you're found in Jesus Christ. Would you come today? Would you come to God, friend, in humble faith? Would you thank God for the story of a Christmas carol like Ebenezer Scrooge that reminds us that we can have a fresh start in Jesus Christ? That you don't have to live with the regret and the fallout of your past mistakes, that you can have a new opportunity if you'll just humble yourself and come to Jesus. Are you, are you ready to do that today? Because new life, friend, is on the other side. I invite you to bow your head with me in a word of prayer. And as we go to the Lord in prayer, I'm just reminded of this. I'm reminded of a scripture that I want to share with you. It comes from Psalm 95 from the Old Testament of God warning a stubborn people not to harden their heart to him. It says, today, if you hear my voice, God says, do not harden your heart. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be softened toward you. We pray that we would let go of our unbelief and our bitterness and our cynicism and our skepticism. Lord, may we understand deep in our spirit that you love us, that you have sent Christ who first came to us that very first Christmas in a manger born to the Virgin Mary. Lord, you sent Jesus for the very purpose of being our savior, for the very purpose of the one who would give his life for us. Lord, right now, today, I am turning away from my past. I am turning away from all my mistakes. Lord, I am putting my faith and trust in you, Lord Jesus. I receive you and accept you today as my Lord and Savior. Lord, would you please come into my heart and change me from the inside out? Would you take away that heart of stone, Lord, and would you replace it with that heart that is full of grace and love and forgiveness and kindness, Lord? I cannot do this on my own. I need you. Would you please come into my life and change me forever? Lord, would you give me a new heart and a new attitude? Lord, show me how to walk in this new life. 
Show me what it looks like to not be carrying around shame and guilt and regret anymore. Lord, help me to be free of that. Help me to, help me to sense what it's like to have that burden lifted and to be able to walk in freedom through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for your grace in my life. Thank you for this opportunity to come to you and to put my trust in you today. And I receive it. And I now believe that because of that, I will not perish, but I have eternal life. Lord, I praise your holy name forever. And I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.